We are uh, continuing our message series on prayer this morning, and today's message is actually part two of last week's message. Uh, in this series, we've been, I've been using this logo from the front of the book that many of us are studying together in our small groups, The Battle Plan for Prayer, and using the different pieces of it to kind of guide uh, the topics for this message series. And at the center of this logo is the cross. And it's through Jesus Christ that, um, and his death and his resurrection that we have a way for, to have a relationship with God. To, we have entrance into the throne room of God to, to talk with God, to communicate with God. Uh, and we're reminded by that cross that Jesus is our hope. And then we talked uh, two weeks ago about the vertical line there and that vertical relationship with Jesus Christ and the importance of maintaining that relationship through prayer, through reading God's word, through being in in worship together. Uh, A vital, close, vertical relationship with God is essential to effective prayer. But there's also a horizontal component to prayer. And the horizontal line on this logo represents our relationship with each other. And last week we talked about um, the importance of right relationships with other people when it comes to prayer. We, we find in Scripture that, there are, uh, that our prayers are sometimes hindered when we're not um, relating to others as God would have us to and when we refuse to forgive one another. So our our prayers can be hindered when the horizontal relationship is out of kilter. On the flip side of that, though, we're going to talk today about the power of prayer when relationships are strong and when we pray together. When we pray in unity and agreement with others, miracles happen. Mountains move. We've seen it. And Jesus said that his house is to be a house of prayer. He doesn't say "My, my house will be a you know, a house of programs or a house of cookies or a house of, uh, you know, coffee or a a house of singing or a house of preaching. Uh, He says that my house will be a house of prayer. Uh, All those things happen in God's house, um, but prayer is the mortar for God's house. And God calls us to be people of prayer. And Jesus says that when we agree in prayer, God's power is... um, released into impossible situations. Lives are changed. Circumstances are changed. People come to know Jesus Christ. And when people are in agreement, great things can happen. Um, Matthew eighteen nineteen. Jesus says again, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Uh, agreement is powerful in life, right? You, you get a group of people going in the same direction and, and uh, great things happen. Agreement around ideas and dreams start movements. Uh, the early church wasn't a religious institution. It was a movement empowered by the Holy Spirit. Move forward by their love for Jesus. They had this passion to see the kingdom of God come and for Jesus' name to be known. They dreamed of every person knowing and loving Jesus Christ, that person after person would move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. They were willing to give their lives for the cause of Christ. They were, 
They were um, in agreement and heart and mind uh, that God's kingdom should come and that eternities would be changed. And through them, the, the, the course of history was changed. Jesus said, whatever we agree on in prayer, he'll do. And, of course, we talked about some of the constraints and, and limits to that. God's not a robot or a vending machine that we can demand that he do anything. But he makes promises to us that he is going to hear the prayers of godly people, and especially when they're praying together in his name. And, you know, one of the awesome things about the church is that we can agree in prayer with people that we don't always agree with, all right? You may, I may not agree with you. You may not agree with me on music style preferences or on who should be president of the United States or, you know, milk chocolate versus dark chocolate. Or, but when it comes to the purposes of God and the kingdom of God, we can all be of one heart around those things and, and pray together as one. And, you know, we've seen the power of prayer, and as we're fasting and praying together, we've seen it in Linda's story and Christopher's story and so many other stories, uh, Mike's and John's. And, and God is amazing. We know that God is good and that he wants to accomplish good things in the lives of his people and in his church as we pray. And, you know, we've been fasting and praying. Some of us uh, have throughout the Lenten season. Others have committed to uh, a deeper level of prayer, but... Um, we're, we're praying together, and this Easter season is a time that is the most likely time for people to step into the church, uh, one of the most, Christmas and Easter. And, and so I want to give us three things that we can pray together over the next several weeks as we're moving towards Easter. If you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look at three prayers that we know are God's will because they come right from Scripture, Okay. So the first is that God will open doors as we reach out to others. It's always been and it always will be God that opens doors. God is the great opener of doors. And and there's a story in the book of Acts. After Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, the disciples were experiencing persecution. And one of Jesus' disciples, uh, the brother of John, uh, James, was arrested by Herod and put to death by the sword. And when King Herod saw how popular this made him with the Jewish religious leaders, uh, he arrested Peter, too. And he had him put in prison. He couldn't uh, do anything, have him executed or anything yet, because it was the Passover. So they had to wait till after the Passover. But after that, it was his full intention uh, to put Peter to death, too. But we read this important game-changing scripture in Acts 12.5. It says, So Peter was kept in prison... But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. But the church was earnestly praying to God. When the church earnestly prays, God moves. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains. Uh, There was a sentry standing guard at the entrance. looked like an impossible situation. But verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, you know, kind of a, get up, (laughs) quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. God not only opens doors, 
He sets people free from all kinds of things. And maybe somebody needs to hear that today. God can set you free from habits. He can set you free from addictions. He can set you free from fear, from disease. God sets people free. So as Peter got up, he followed the angel out of the prison, all the while thinking it was a vision or a dream or something. You know, the prison food wasn't setting quite uh, right. But verse 7, it says, They passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. The gate opened by itself. God said a word. Power was released. Iron locks, iron doors obeyed, and the door opened by itself. And when the church prays, doors open. Chains come undone. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Right? It's, it's not by preaching, my preaching. It's not by anything but the power of God. We have to have the power of God. And that comes through prayer. When we pray together earnestly, as the church prayed for Peter, life and death prayers of intercession, God will open doors. He'll open doors for you. He'll open doors for his church. Uh, the Apostle Paul gives these instructions in the, uh, to the Colossian church. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. Okay, that's where it starts. Be people of prayer. Being watchful and thankful. That's why it's so important that we lift up these answers to prayer in, in, in our worship and, and give the glory to God, right? Because he's the good God. And, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains that God will open a door for our message. Pray that I'll proclaim it clearly as I should. Forrest is pointing. <laughs> There's another. <laughs> you missed one. <clears throat> okay, so for Bellevue, move that one up to the other side. <laughs> that one sentence. Anyway, Paul uses this imagery all the way uh, through his uh, letters to the churches. Uh, he talks about to the Corinthians he, that he's staying in Ephesus because God's opened a door wide for him. And, and it says with opposition, but he's still, you know, he didn't see opposition as a reason to back away. Uh, he saw that as an as a indication of an open door along with all the other things that God was doing. Later, he's, he says that when he went to Troas, he found that the Lord had opened a door for him there to preach the gospel. And God will open doors for us as well as we pray together for our friends, for our family, for our community, and ask him to open doors to share the gospel with others, to share the good news about Jesus Christ, to offer to pray for others, to extend an invitation to church, to use these postcards. You know, Pray before you hand them out. That God will open people's hearts for that. And then the second prayer is to give us the courage to go out to invite others. So God's opened the door, then give us the courage to go through it. Uh, We know that God wants to answer this prayer because Jesus told us to pray it. As Jesus would walk through towns and villages, teaching about the kingdom of God, healing people, he would always be surrounded by people who were suffering. 
people who were confused about life, harassed people, helpless people. And, and he had compassion on them. Uh, and he knew that their little band of followers was not going to be enough to, to reach a world of broken people. And so one day he turned to his disciples, um, thousands of people clamoring around him, and he said to his disciples, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God is answering that prayer through us. We are those workers. And I think we've all had those occasions when uh, that we had somebody that we wanted to invite to church or to invite to some event, but we made an excuse, right? Well, I'll ask them after they get unpacked or, you know, uh, I'm, I'd invite them, but... And we're waiting for the perfect conditions. Jesus said, look around you. The, the fields are ripe now. People are hurting right now. People are worried about the economy right now. People are in the midst of divorces right now. Um, people are struggling with addictions right now. People are dealing with life-threatening medical diagnosis right now. And, and many people um, just don't feel comfortable walking into a church without some kind of invitation, somebody to walk through the door with them. And as we move towards people, we have to be willing to be the answer to Jesus' prayer for more workers and to go into the fields around us. So I provided a couple, three spaces there in your bulletin, and I would invite you to pray about it, to think about it. Who will, will you be inviting to some of these Easter, either the Palm Sunday, Palm Tuesday event, Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to have a brunch here, and uh, Easter Sunday is Easter Sunday, right? I mean, <laughs> can't get better than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So um, we're going to be selling, celebrating that. Who, who are you going to invite? And then the third prayer, and, you know, I had a different third prayer, a third prayer, and I got up this morning at 4 o'clock, and God said, no, I want you to talk to them about um, what I've been doing in you, and I don't know, so just bear with me. This is going to be the third prayer, <laughs> and uh, join Pastor Peggy, Peggy in praying Acts 4, 29, and 30, and that needs explaining, right? But, uh, okay, in the fall of 2014, Forrest and I led a small group at, in Bellevue, one of the homes over there. And the study that we were doing was, um, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And the very last um, lesson in that study was the invitation to, um, it w- we were talking about prayer and persisting in prayer and, and praying through until you get an answer. And in the last week of this study, then, we were, were challenged to pray for about uh, for something for six months. And uh, it told a story about a man who had done this and uh, the amazing things that God did through that six months of uh, praying. So I, the next day, I'm like, okay, God, I've given this assignment to people as a small group leader. I didn't really feel like I had anything to... I felt specific that I needed to pray about, but I asked God, okay, what do you want me to pray about? And um, asked him to show me what he wanted to do in the coming year, because this was like uh, end of November. And um, there's this uh, uh, 
So uh, the next day I was reading my Bible and happened to be in Zechariah of all places. And I opened up my Bible, and the very first verse I read was um, this invitation to pray. It says, Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It's the Lord who sends thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. And I thought, that's kind of strange, but I really felt that that's what God wanted me to pray for. And as I began to pray, pray about it, I began to ask God that he would water the fields around our church, that he would soften people's hearts so that when we sow seeds in their heart, that, that they would um, be responsive to the gospel and that those seeds would take root and grow in them. And I asked him to give us new ministries and, and you know, uh, be with us as we're planting this new service, the real life service, and that he would water that and prosper it and grow it. And, and I, I prayed along that lines for six months and, and be beyond that, actually. And I don't know how many of you remember last fall, last spring, but we got a lot of rain last spring and summer. Uh, it was just at one point Randy Busick said to me, and he didn't know I was praying for rain. He said, "You know, rain is good, but this is too much." And I'm like, well, "Okay, so God, am I, should I stop? What?" But you know, um, so there was a lot of water, but I felt like that was God saying, "I hear and I answer prayers." And not only was God doing that, though, he was answering the spiritual prayers. And last week, we baptized 12 people. Uh, last week. Last year, we baptized 12 people. And this last week, I got some statistics from the conference. They send us out statistics that went all the way back to 1974. And I was looking, and that, that 12 people that we baptized was the highest number of people that... Uh, this church has ever baptized in the last 40 years. So just amazing that what God was doing last year, and I believe it was in response to prayer. And so as I thought about that this last fall, I asked God, well, I felt God was saying that I needed to pray again. And, and so I said, well, what, you know, what do you want me to pray about? I began praying about what did he want me to ask him to do this year? And as I prayed about it, um, I've been really grieved by the direction our country is taking and um, going over the last several years. And, and I felt like we need revival. We need revival in our country. We need our churches to, to have revival. And we need God to do great things in our church to convince people to turn back to him. And as I was asking God, how do you want me to pray this year, I, I came across this story in Acts again where Jesus' followers are being persecuted. And, you know, they lived in a time very similar to ours with a lot of unbelief. And in this particular story, Peter and John had um, healed a man who was unable to walk. And when the people saw this huge crowd assembled around to see what was going on, and so Peter got an opportunity to share with them because of this great miracle um, about Jesus Christ. And people were turning to Christ and, and, and coming to faith. And the religious leaders didn't like that very well. They were upset because people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ. So they arrested Peter and John. They questioned them. 
but they didn't know how to punish them because everybody had seen this and they were afraid that there would be a riot or something. So they ordered them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus Christ, and, and they released them. So Peter and John, they went back to the church, and they told them what had happened. And the church prayed together. And, and they ended their prayer with this request from Acts 4, 30. It said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. And, and I've been praying that since last fall. And um, I just feel like God's answering that prayer. That he's stretching out his hand and he's doing signs and wonders in our churches, I mean, through, you know, the things that we're seeing him do, the healings that, that we're seeing. And I, I just felt like he was telling me, yeah, I'm at work, and I want you to invite the church to pray with you about this, that God wants to revive us, that he wants his churches to be alive and awake and vital in, in um, reaching people for Christ. So I, I invite you to pray this prayer with me, that God would that he would give us boldness to speak his word, not not a boldness to speak our agendas, uh, things that, you know, we're mad about or whatever, uh, a boldness to speak his word. Uh, his disciples were speaking good news, the good news that there's life in Jesus Christ, that, that your life can be better, that your life can be eternal and go on forever, and that Jesus died for you. That, that was good news, and that was the word that they were asking for boldness to proclaim. And, and that he would stretch out his hand to heal. Uh, stretch out his hand to heal Mike. Stretch out his hand to heal people like Mark, people who, who need healing. And, and that he would do signs and wonders again in our time, in our place. I don't know if you've seen the movie Woodlawn. It, it talks about the revival back in the 70s, you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> And, and I watched that, and I was like, I remember the Spirit of God descending on places that I was, uh, where we were uh, sharing the gospel, you know, the lay witness movement and all of that, and, and people coming to faith, and the altar, you know, people kneeling here, and, and you know, deep. <laughs> people couldn't get to the altar. God, do that again. Move again in our churches. Stir up our hearts. Make us vital and alive. Would you pray these things with me? That God will do signs and wonders again in our time. Through the name of his holy servant, Jesus Christ.